this week on Super Skull. Happy birthday, Vault to Midnight. You're 19 years old. That's practically 20. Marcus has a part-time job as a fur trapper, it turns out. And uh, we tell a little bit of the story about how we opened two comic shops. A tale of two comic shops. Alrighty, welcome to Super Skull. It's your weekly new comic day audio digest. Recorded this week from the Ann Arbor District Library in a real-life grown-up studio. We look super professional right now. We look pretty awesome, I think. So can I set the scene? Please do. We're in the Ann Arbor District Library's podcasting studio. We have these three octopus mics um, and headphones. And and we look, I, from what I've seen of other really high-end news podcasts. Professionals. We look kind of like those dudes right now. Yeah. Nick's wearing a ball cap, which doesn't usually happen, so I know he means business today. I actually do mean business today. I feel like that was an intentional wardrobe choice for... For the new studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Okay. Thought so. Good. I, I thought that's what we were... I thought we had all agreed. Mm. Like, you guys have mustaches and I wore a hat. I feel like we got the memo yeah, we're mixed there. up. Yeah. At any rate, we're in partnership this week with the Ann Arbor District Libraries, generous enough to let us use their space and their sweet recording studio. We're also in partnership with Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. My name is Nick Weibar. What's your name? My name is Marcus Schwimmer. What's your and name? I'm Curtis Sullivan. It's a pleasure as always, gentlemen. It is. Not going to lie, it's a little different. It's not the environment that we're used to. Yeah, I'm not in my pajamas, so... Yep. That's it's but we're gonna we're just gonna roll with it. We're gonna be stronger for it. We're gonna smash comics. Yeah. Even more gooder than we normally do. I you think? I think so. Yeah. I'm I don't feeling good about it. There's Let's no reason why not. Let's do it. I don't think. Um before we get started, uh there's some kind of exciting news. Today's July first, two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Um this day in history. Something happened yes. 19 years ago today. Yes, the Vault of Midnight comic books and stuff was born. Whoa. In a small retail spot on South Ashley Street in Ann Arbor, Michigan. How old were you when you did that? 21 years of age. You are crazy. I know. You were 21 years old. And I had no money, and I had a pregnant wife and a three-year-old son. That's right. And I worked at a restaurant called Ruby Tuesdays. And you also still, you were still at Ruby Tuesdays while I was. you were working the comic shop. Yeah, I worked uh, open to close every day at the comic shop. And That's right. Worked a, a fry cook gig. So we've talked for a long time about doing a, a, a thing about the history of the comic shop. Yeah. And we're not going to do that right now. But I'm wondering if you could kind of just like walk us through the thought process. So it's you and Stephen Fodale. Yes. You guys are 21 years old. Yes. You were how old when like this started actually becoming like a serious thought? Probably 18. 18 years yeah, old. Yeah, we started joking about it. And then you're what? You're 20 years old, you're still 21, and you're like, let's do this. Yeah, uh, you know, we uh, my house always looked like a comic book shop because mm-hmm. I was like a life lifelong comic nerd. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always had friends be like, you should open a comic book store, man. And then I was young and I uh, didn't realize what any of that meant. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we did it. We had no money, and uh, we moved around town a bunch. You know, we were on South Ashley for a couple years. We were on Huron and Forth for a couple years. We were on Liberty for a couple of years, and now we've been at the Main Street spot for just about 10. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so it's been, that's been quite years. a journey. Curtis, I remember hearing you tell a story that, like, you worked with a guy who, was, who pretty much was like, yeah, you talk about doing it all the time. Like, you should probably just do it. And yeah. that was, like, a real important moment for you guys. A, a good friend of mine's boyfriend was... Um, a little bit more broish than some of my normal friends. Yeah, and he would get on us a lot because we'd always be sitting around, you know, having pipe dreams. How so, dare you? Yeah, one, how dare you dream? <laughs> yeah, but one day he was just like, "I'm sick of listening to you idiots talk about your comic shop. Why don't you grow a pair?" <laughs> so, <laughs> I think we can officially say uh, July first, two thousand fifteen. You showed that asshole. Yeah, yeah. take that. You know, and he's probably right too, right? You know, just you know. Oh, he was totally right. Yeah, dude, do it. Stop talking about it. Get yeah. to it, man. So, thanks for that. Thank goodness for that, jerk. Nameless, old Name- boyfriend guy. Nameless guy. We 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 salute you <laughs> on this day in history. So yeah, if you're uh, near a vault of midnight in Ann Arbor, Grand Rapids, come by. Give us a high five. Uh, give us a hug. That's right. This- We're happy to be here. We're glad to be here. Things are going great, and uh, thanks for letting us be around for. You know this this amount of time, and this is our career now, and uh, 
That's it's crazy. cool. I don't have to be a fry cook anymore or work midnights at a grocery store. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and he allows other people to not have to do that also. Yeah, we're able to pay other humans to also have a job that's hopefully not too horrible. Totally. Yeah, yeah. and pays uh, almost a living wage. So very, that's cool. Very, near to a living wage. <laughs> so I can't close. stress that enough. Like, so we're, close. We're going to get there. If I didn't have my fur trapper side job... You know, that'd be nice. You'd be uh, yeah. under the interpass. Yeah, that's right. Overpass? <laughs> the interpass. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere on a on a freeway somewhere. Well, happy birthday, Vault of Midnight. We love you. We do. Yeah. And, and we, you know, we are we are you, but yeah. we also love you. That's true. I find it really cool. You sustain us. You nurture us. Yep. I find it really cool that, like, this is a thing that started with, you know, Steve and, and Curtis, and they took ownership, and then, you know... Nearly two decades later, there's so many people now who just love Volta Midnight and put so much time into it and kind of claim it as their own. It's like a it's a, it's a beautiful family. All kidding aside, like I mean, it's it's made an impact on like a lot. It's made it's completely changed my life. But even before I worked there, it completely changed my right. life. The the shop and it's you know, uh, it's it's a super important thing. Just you know, to Ann Arbor and to now hopefully to Grand Rapids. That's what we're going for out there. Um, but yeah, enough of this this sentiment. Yeah, come to the shop. We'll just talk about the history of the vault yeah. with you. We'll reminisce. We'll talk comics. I really do we'll want to talk we'll for a long time. We, I really think we should do like a. We should take some time and talk about the history of the comic shop because it's fucking <laughs> crazy. Yeah, the amount of weird, outrageous stuff that's happened over the years. The the near deaths, and the crazy successes. You know, the 2010 Eisner Award was like, you know, I wept for days. Yeah, it's you know? been it's been harrowing. Yep, it was it a has. harrowing journey. We're getting ready to open up a third vault of midnight. I, I know. hope. Yeah. So close. Which, yeah. Is a, which is a conversation for another day. There you go. All right. At any rate, let's enough of this lovey-dovey sentimental crap. What do you guys, do you want to talk about comics or what? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm ready. Did you come here to like to cry or to talk about comics? I mean, a little bit of both. I'm saying. <laughs> what everyone doesn't know is that we're just hugging each other right now talking yeah. about Vault of Midnight. Exactly. But now we're going to break apart. We're going to talk about comics. I'm super pumped. This is the thing that we do every week. We each pick a comic. Yeah. There's a ton of stuff that releases all the time, and we got to give you a little bit of guidance because you can't read it all. So trust us. Go yeah. out, go with us on this journey. It's a lot of comics. Take, take our hand, our collective hand, giant hand. Marcus, what was your pick this week? Uh, I picked The Spirit, number one, from Dynamite Press. And it is written by Matt Wagner and drawn by Dan Shikade. Oh, you just nailed that Thanks. name. Thanks. I've been uh, listeners. I've been working on pronouncing Shikade for a while now, but I think I did a good job. First so try. let's talk about Dynamite Press real quick before we dive into the spirit. Mm-hmm. Dynamite Press is an interesting publisher in my mind because they put out uh, some good stuff, like this book, The Spirit, and uh, they also are known for putting out some not so good stuff. So I think people are weary when they see that Dynamite Press stamp. What do we normally, gentlemen, associate with Dynamite Press? Uh, uh, it's a lot of uh, Dejah Thoris. Dejah Thoris being like... John Carter, Warlord of Mars yeah. uh, stuff. A lot of people really like that stuff. I do also like that stuff. I don't um, necessarily like their kind of risque version of it. So that's the kind of thing is that when I think dynamite historically I thought of like risque. Yeah. Absolutely. Like they they do very a lot of bikini chicks and busty yep. women. Yeah, yep. absolutely. But that being said, the spirit book is really really good and is totally breaking the mold. Dynamite is they're, they're doing a bunch I you, you yeah. I don't you can't put that label on them anymore. They're doing a bunch of new stuff. Yeah, I think. They're taking a bunch of really classic characters and giving them new breath. So Dynamite's doing uh, Flash Gordon, they're doing Jungle Jim and Prince Valiant, one of my favorite. You uh, you guys have heard me talk about Prince yeah. Valiant. The and Phantom. The Phantom, and now they're doing The Spirit. Yep. And they're kind of giving new birth to these classic characters. I love it. Is this the King imprint like those other ones it are? It is not, oh, interestingly okay, cool. enough. Yeah, those yeah. other characters, those kind of like classic old characters, they're all under this dynamite imprint called King. Right. And I kind of thought this one too because it's another like character relaunch. Yeah, it is not. Um... Interestingly enough, we were talking about the Eisner Award, the spirit, the character originally created by uh, comics legend Will Eisner. Nice, nice. What an awesome dude. Awesome dude, huge dude. So let's talk about the spirit. spirit, He was a huge dude. He was just like a, he was like eight feet tall. Yeah. (laughs) The spirit is a classic American comic book character who uh, was at one time a private detective, and then he falls into a giant pool of ooze, and it gives him superpowers to become the spirit and he's one of those really great classic noir-style characters. Mm-hmm. They did a movie about the spirit that was not so great after the um, popularity of Sin City, 
But that being said, this book is a thousand percent kick butt and is pulpy and classic, but also reads at a modern pace. And uh, Dan Shikade kills it on the art. It's, what's what's the spirit up to in the spirit number one? Yeah, so the spirit, uh, this is very much, the uh, first half of this book is a retelling of the origin story of the spirit, which mm-hmm. is great because I think a lot of people who aren't classic comic fans. Break need, it down for us. Uh, li- like I said, the spirit's, a, he's a private detective mm-hmm. and uh, he's a little cocky thinks maybe his skills are better than they are, goes to investigate a criminal who's creating some kind of bioweapon, gets, uh, falls into this ooze after getting shot, and it gives him these superpowers. Mostly he's he's pretty indestructible dude. Yeah, that's pretty much it. He's yeah. pretty indestructible. He's yeah. pretty good at fisticuffs. He doesn't use guns too much or at all. Oh, yeah, very rarely. Um, he just kicks some butt. He takes a beating a lot, which is pretty funny. He falls off buildings and mm-hmm. gets hit by cars and... Um, there's a kind of a great slapstick element, I think, Absolutely. to uh, the spirit in general, and it lives on in this issue. Well, and, and Curtis has really um, hit hit the head on the nail about why I love the spirit, and that it's it's very much fisticuffs. It's it's an old style of comic book action, um, and it's done in a really great way. The spirit will punch his problems. Yeah, and with Superman, we've talked about how sometimes I don't I don't like this so much. Um, because Superman's super intelligent, blah blah blah. But the spirit has always been fisticuffs, and um, he, you know, he'll roll, he'll literally roll up his his button shirt, and he'll box someone until he f- solves the problem. And I just <laughs> like I like that. I like that old style. And Matt Wagner kills it. I if you if you appreciate the classics, and not everyone does, and I get it because they they can they can be a chore to read in this modern era. Um, in today's world, in today's world where we have sex criminals and in saga and all this other stuff, going back and reading Prince Valiant isn't for everyone. But for those of the the, comic the spirit, re- the spirit of of comics lives in the spirit number one. <laughs> okay, Got lovely. It. Thank you. Um, it's a great book. I like the police chief in this book too, Doolin. Yeah, he's a real awesome. But, but you think chief. it's you think it's updated. It's not it, totally. It, it, is it a throwback? Is it just is it is it written in kind of the older style, or is it a little is bit? It, is it just reminiscing? Is it kicking back to it? Yeah, it's it's got is a it little, nodding to it's it. It's not. I would say it's nodding to it. I think it has a very modern pace. Yeah. Some of these older books have a have a. They're a slow burn. They're the slowest of slow burns. But this has a modern pace. They get to the action. They give you a great recap about the character if you know nothing about him, and he is a super important part of comic history. So, because people talk about Will Eisner all the time, yeah. right? There's there's an entire the probably the biggest awards in comics are the the Eisner Awards. Yeah, like, this dude is considered hugely important to the medium. Yeah, uh, I implore people to do a quick uh, Google of the name Will Eisner. This yeah. guy's body of work is monstrous. And I think a big part of that is just he's he's doing a lot to push the medium forward before anybody else was. Um, he's doing stuff with pacing and with panel work with, that nobody else was doing at the time. And he's not one of the biggest names in comics. He's like not one of the people that like immediately, you know, for comic folks, I think he totally is. Right, sure. but he doesn't have the name recognition of a Stanley. Exactly. Not anywhere near it. But he's, hu- but, you know, he's... Well, and he's like pre, pre-Silver pre Age, you know, so I mean, that's yeah. the thing. He was a, a, a very well-known comics voice, you know, in the 40s, the 50s. Yeah. You know, and even going forward, uh, you know, contract with God. But again, these are more kind of um, scholarly comic book mm-hmm. comics. But uh, contract with God. Speaking of, yeah, man, check it out. Absolutely, really. And then like switch over to the good. graphic novel like medium. Like the dude could just do it all. He just yeah. got like the 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 graphic art form totally, and the storytelling graphic art form in a way like way ahead of the game. Yeah, he's For a, sure. He's super important, dude. Yeah, and uh, I think Matt Wagner knows that. And he takes this book seriously, and uh, so do I. Excellent. Yeah, really great. So that's the spirit number one. That's Marcus's big pick. Very, very nice. Lovely. Um, uh, Marcus, thank you for your pick. Curtis, what do you got for us this week? My big pick of the week is We Stand on Guard, number one. This is a big pick. It's a huge pick. This is uh, from Image Comics. It's by a dude, uh, a new talent to comics. His name is Brian K. Vaughn. Oh, Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah, I think this book will be the one that finally breaks You think is this finally going to do it for him? Uh, Steve Scrock is on the art. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Listeners probably don't know Steve Scrock. He's only done a few things over the years. He did this great book called Doc Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. He's a great artist. Uh, he did a lot of the design work for the Matrix movies. 
Oh, I didn't know so that. So many folks have probably seen him and not even known it. Wait, which Matrix movies? Uh, all three of them. Oh, interesting. And he did like mechanical stuff, and he did like character stuff, yeah. and uh, storyboards, these kind of things. Well, those robots look really good. They you look great. You cannot hate on those robots. Yeah, it was him and Jeff Darrow were really the two main architects sure, of sure. the look nice. of the Matrix movies. So, Brian K. Vaughn, you were just joshing us, though, a second ago. I was. Ago. You were being a little silly. I was. He's a superstar. Yeah. He does a book called Saga. I've heard of Saga. which, like a full eighty percent of the comic shop reads. Yeah, can I, um sometimes I will tell people when I'm selling Saga that it, I I believe that it will go down in history as the definitive comic book for my generation, and I totally stand by that statement a hundred percent. I cannot think of another comic book that I think will better define the readership of uh, mid twenties to early thirties more than Saga. Why? Uh, I think it resonates with us. I think it it sets the tone for the kind of comics we want to read, both in pacing and panel work and art style. Um, and a lot of that is due to Fiona Staples. But um, I think we grew up in a time where everything was kind of silly. Star Trek was kind of silly. And um, we didn't get the original Star Wars experience in our sci-fi viewership. And Saga is a little silly, but is also incredibly serious and fills both those voids. It's also a masterpiece of literature. So yeah, I think that book will go down in history as the definitive comic for my generation. And I really stand by it. And it's a lot of it is Brian K. Vaughn. There's, yep. no, there's no doubt it changed the yep. game up. You know, you can see a sea change in the shop. Um, I, I can't think of a book that's brought like more new readers to uh, to comic books than Saga. Right. I can't think of anything. Yeah, and it's it's a for a first comic for people who have a conception of comics who have maybe never read comics. Yeah, it's a real eye opener. Absolutely. Like I just had no idea. You know, the amount of people were like just didn't know. That comics was anything other than superheroes. Yeah. You know, that's still a thing. Absolutely. You know, and that's the thing that, you know, as a shop, I think we kind of work on every day letting people know. It's not all capes and tights, although we love capes and tights, too. Yeah. But that's just one segment. So that's Brian K. Vaughn, and he, so before this, he did a book called, well, Why the Last Man is his kind of his big thing that he's famous for. That's the book that broke him. Yep. You know, and it was a it was big outside of comic shops, too. It's a New York Times bestseller. Yep. It was big in book chains. They've been trying to make a movie out of that <laughs> for a minute. Yeah. yeah. A trilogy, even. Yeah. There's yeah. Been a, there's been a lot of talk. So we'll see. Um, so, yeah, he's a superstar. And this is the first new book for him. Although he did a web comic called Private Eye. He did a web comic called Private Eye. Yeah. He, he did Ex Machina. Ex which Machina. Which is super underrated. Yeah. I, I love that Great comic book. so much. I might like it more than Why the Last Man, being honest. I might like it more than Why the Last Man, too. Yeah. What was that other book about tigers that he did? Oh, Pride of Baghdad. Pride of Baghdad. Yeah, that book, lions. That book is a game changer for me. It's gorgeous too. I love that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. So you know, since Saga came out, though, we haven't seen much new BKV. So this is exciting. New Brian K. Vaughn. This is a book about um, uh, American aggression against Canada in the not too distant future. Amer- America invades Canada. Canada. It does. They do. Yeah. Yeah. They want their water. We don't know that. They want Canadian water. It's a it's a theory in this comic. Um. <laughs> Are you somebody's theory crafting? No, they say they say that they don't know. It's like in the comic, they say like maybe it's the water. We're not quite sure. Oh right, right. yeah. So uh, the art is uh, really cool. I enjoyed it. It's comical. It's also uh, there's a a bit that happens in the beginning that's super tough to take. Yeah, it's intense. I and and I thought it would really punched at home uh, the intensity of this book and the seriousness of this book. Yeah. Um, I love the characters and it's classic Brian K. Vaughn. People you think might be around might not be around. So this is the this is what I wanted to talk to you guys about. So what is it about? A lot of writers have like their little their little tells, mm-hmm. their little things that we really like about them. What is it about? What makes this a Brian K. Vaughn book? It, it's hard to say because you know Saga for me, I'm in love with that book. But the first six issues, it t- it took me to the seventh or eighth issue to really get into Saga. Oh really? Absolutely. I was not. I mean, I liked it out of the gate, mm-hmm. but Brian K. Vaughn plays long game. Yeah. You know, and he he builds a story, you know. So I think by the time we get to a first volume of We Stand Guard on We Stand on Guard, we'll start to, you know, see what we're really talking about. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And the dialogue's really, really great. Maybe that's, I don't know if that's even it, because Brian Michael Bendis's dialogue you can kind of tell, right? Absolutely, that dude has a you, very you, distinct. You so know this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Right? exactly. But I think. Brian is just good at dialogue. Yeah. It doesn't immediately sound like all these voices, all these people talking in the comic are him. Dude does like the traumatic child to hero. Oh, what? What? What do you mean? He, well, Saga's told through the, the eyes of a 
child. Yeah. And that child's development kind of happens throughout the book series and uh-huh. and whatnot. And in this one, we have something traumatic. Ha- and a lot of things happen to that kid in Saga that are very traumatic. Yeah. And then in this one, we have a traumatic kid, and then it becomes, uh, you know, the, the hero. Of the oh, I see character. what you're saying. And then in Pride of Baghdad, it's kind of told through, like, a younger line. <laughs> you know, so he likes, like, traumatic things happening to younger people, and then they become, like, the storyteller, essentially. Yeah. He definitely does that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Interesting. I yeah, I never noticed that. Well, now you have. Now I have. Thank you. Um, can so, I, can I talk about this book for a second? I would love that. I thought this book was okay. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I had a lot of hype for it. I love the idea, the premise. Mm-hmm. I think is super interesting. Um, and there's a lot of commentary there that, that that could happen about American like military force and the overuse of military force. It's not really great. I don't know. I just thought this book. Like I, I read this book, and for me, the characters were very one dimensional, and I didn't feel any attachment to them because we should say that it, it focuses on so in the very beginning of the book this little girl is hanging out with her family they're watching the news america is getting a little antsy and then they're basically like missiles rain down on their home and somewhere in canada yeah, yeah. We're, we're like in toronto or something like that we don't exactly yeah. know and or ottawa it doesn't know and um at some point in the future, she is kind of running around the woods. There are freedom fighters. They're not, like, sanctioned by anybody, and they all kind of find each other, and we meet this little girl who's now grown up and is fighting Americans. Yeah. yeah. So these are the characters that we have to work with, this band of freedom f- fighters. Right. And this little girl who is, like, you know, maybe going to join their band. Right? Yeah, and, like, so the beginning of this book, for me, was really interesting. Like, it sets up a world where terrorist attacks are happening, I think, in multiple countries by multiple families. Factions, like there are a ton of terrorist factions that we're, we're being introduced to. So everyone's super antsy. Canada's antsy. We're antsy. It sounds like the world is a pretty messed up place. Yeah. That's a really interesting starting point for me is that like homegrown terrorism is affecting everyone in different ways. Great. That, uh, But once we get into like this Red Dawn freedom fighter stuff, it just isn't. I, I thought the writing was a little bland. Well. Well, I I disagree wholeheartedly, and I just I thought this was a, a great first issue, and knowing Brian K. Vaughn, uh, we're going places. So that's the thing is that it is he is a he is a slower burn kind of dude. I really like this first issue. And, and I thought e- it was kind of cool. Even you know taking into account the kind of long game and the slow burn talk. Yeah, I thought this was a super f- great issue. Yeah, I really um, enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, forty pages, two ninety nine, no ads. I say, uh, if you're a Brian K. Vaughn fan, uh, immediately check it out. I'm, I'm going to keep reading it for yeah. sure. Just... Curtis, you got to look on your face like you want to jump into Marcus's <laughs> shit right now. Well, you know, Marcus, you're just wrong. You're empirically wrong on this comic. <laughs> I want, I, you know, what what do we? What was the first thing that happened this morning when we did our podcast meetup? Yeah. I found We Stand on Guard wholly mediocre. <laughs> it's wholly mediocre. Good morning, podcast buddies. <laughs> well, I knew, I knew. All right, so here's, again, where it's, it's. <laughs> I knew that everyone was going to be super hyped for this book, and I was super hyped for this book, and I think it's got some cool things going for it. The robot- you know what you need to do? What? You need to work on your hype management. What do you you need to like you need, you need to, to look inside yourself. Yeah. You need to be like, I'm excited about this book. Yeah. I need to uh, think about how that's going to affect my reading of this book, and I need to tamp it back down. That's what grown-ups do. Look, man. That's was, what grown-ups was, was do. Was this the best book you read this week? It was up there. So my top three books. I, I wanted to pick three big picks this week, but yeah. I picked this one. I thought you, it was fantastic, tell- and you know it's going places. You're so it's, me- uh, it's no saga. It's like it, you know. I'm not saying it doesn't need to be saga. It doesn't need to be Why the Last Man. I get it. Those books are legendary, and they will stand on pedestals. And I don't want it to be those but, things. I want right, it to be yeah. a new thing. You cannot tell me this book has intriguing character development. I can absolutely tell you that it does. No way. Th- th- it nothing does. happens. What are you it's talking a, about? It's a Red Dawn reboot, but it takes place in not Canada true. instead of Colorado. Wholly untrue. There's great technology introduced. There's a world that's familiar but slightly different. That's interesting. Oh, you're talking about when they AT-AT, the giant machine, like in Star Wars, they blow its legs and then it falls down. Ooh, never. Sh- you, it's did, just like, you didn't think that panel was cool where they're like cool, shooting plastic yeah, no, explosives It's a cool all panel, over. but like it's, it, it, I don't know. It doesn't, it, this book was so bland on character development. Look, the machines are cool. The premise is cool. I like the idea that maybe America needs more water. It's not true because we have the Great Lakes and the very large bodies of water. But either way, I think it's like a really neat premise. But I can't get fast, past the fact that we have a kid that has something traumatic to happen to him and then they're a totally bland-ass character. It's boring. She's a boring character. But because <laughs> it's Brian K. Vaughn, everyone's going to just... Hey. No, no, that's where you're wrong. And that's in, you know the lone voice of reason against... Creators banking on their name is is a just a 
doo-doo argument. I hate that. It's not true. This is a legitimately good comic. Marcus? Especially taking it. I mean, so you, you take it against, like, the work of Brian K. Vaughn or whatever, but if you just read this comic in a sea of pick a comic. Sure. Throw a dart at the <laughs> new comic day wall. Yep. This is better than almost anything oh, you're going to hit. I, like I said, it's, not right? my, it's, it's a fine book. I'm excited to see where it goes, but I don't think it deserves the parade of Brian K. Vaughn that it's, I, it is getting currently. Just read it on its merits. That's what I'm saying. Just read, read it on its merits. All I got is uh, I enjoyed the hell. Uh, don't cheat yourself. Yeah, totally agree. Buy this Re- book. Read this book, and and talk to Marcus about why you should read this book. Look, I I, I stand by any anyone who comes in the shop this week should buy this book. Absolutely. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy this book. I'm saying that when you buy this book, and you read it, that maybe it's not going to be this giant firework display that you want. I think it's really interesting that Brian K. Vaughn's doing new stuff. So he did Private Eye. He did. He's doing this. Um, Private Eye, uh, by the way, was um, Marcos Martin. Marcos Martin. So yes. this is what we started to talk about before. But I'm used to reading him with with uh, Marcos Martin and with Fiona Staples. And like these are top tier, like amazing artists. This art was like the robots looked really cool, but I'm this is more... I'm, I'm reading it for the writing more than I am for the art. Right. I don't think it's bad by any means, but no. it's not like as super stylish as... So that's... I, and I, you know, that's the thing about this medium. It's a collaborative medium. True. It takes it takes two totally. to tango. Absolutely. Sometimes like five or six people to tango. So. Yeah, and a Marcos Martin and, and, and uh, like a Fiona Staples, I mean, they're very artist artists. I mean, they're very... You know, they could do paintings. They could do fine art. They could... Absolutely. You know, they have a very so, distinctive style. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a little bit more comic book... Esque, if you will. Although I thought it was highly detailed and, and good. And serviceable and yeah. sometimes very cool looking. Mm-hmm. But like Saga is just like a, sta- if you had no words at all, it's just like a staggering work of art just totally. on its own, like every single issue. You True. Know? There's something in each issue of Saga that's like, holy <laughs> how do they do that? Um, and that I did, I did not get from this book. But that doesn't take away from it. Like I said, it's, you know, pick a book this week that's better than We Stand on Guard. There's not very many. Give it a shot. I say give it a shot. That's my big pick. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that they're doing more stuff now. So Fiona Staples is doing Archie. Super excited about that. But at any rate, they're both like doing more stuff now. Yeah. So Saga was like this all-consuming book for them for two years, I think. Two and a half years, three years almost. Where are we at? We're at issue 40. Yeah. Near. Yep. So like it's... Yeah, Saga, is that four? That's four. So it's six months on, two months off. Yeah. So we're at, you know... It's a. It's been a long time. Forty-eight months. That's crazy. Dang. So, um, these dudes are both like, you know, Saga is on autopilot now, or they have enough of a you know lead room because they didn't work on anything else. The two of them for a really long time. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, Fiona Staples um, with Mark Wade on Archie is one of my most anticipated runs of uh, the year. Yeah, and I read something somewhere about like how much money those dudes because they own their book. Right, they both own all of Saga. They do, and they got to give a little bit of a chunk to Image Comics, mm-hmm. and the rest goes to them. And it's you know obviously one of the the biggest selling comic books in the industry. So those dudes are doing fine, and now they're doing other stuff. It's just kind of interesting to think about, like especially when you throw Image into the mix and the the creator owned stuff into the mix. Well, and it's sort of like we were talking about a few weeks ago about that non player thing. Yeah, where Saga hit and it hits so big, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's this this desire to like. You know, produce this incredible book. Yeah, because there's this this amazing fan reaction, and the the expectation is like this is the best thing ever, right? And you got to deliver. So, um, yeah, it seems like they're really focused in on because Fiona Staples delivering does all of it. She does the lettering, she does the coloring, she does all of the art. Yeah, like, that is that is her baby. Yeah, pretty cool. So yeah, Nick, what do you got for us this week, my man? Yeah, that was We Stand on Guard uh, from Image Comics number one, and my pick this week is The Spire. The Spire. The Spire. The Spire. Man, I almost picked this book because I liked it so much. I loved this book. Yeah, it was really good. It was good. Um, and what the hell is this book about? So there is a spire. It's the uh, the center of this kind of kingdom, maybe this empire. It's a gigantic, what, city castle? It's a gigantic city castle. That's exactly what it is. And there's a baron who runs the spire, and now he's dead. And that's how we open up. Classic. The king is dead. And long live him. Yeah. 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 So the book then kind of like switches gears and we start following a detective or a captain on the police force. Yeah. Of some kind. Really cool character. Really cool character. She's got these crazy like... Light wings? Spider arm 
things. Yeah. Uh, like threads almost. Yeah, what are they? Tele- telekinetically controlled. Like tentacles. Light. But they're, it's, oh, they're dope. It's so cool. Anyway, so she's chasing bad guys. Now we got a cop story. It's just world building done so well. Like we stay right on these characters and we break away just long enough to like see other kind of big plot developments going on. It's packed full of ideas, but still super focused and still like, you know, super character driven. Man, uh, can we talk about the characters in this book that we, we see just visually? Like there's this little guy, he's like a, I don't know. I don't want to call him a monster, but he's yeah, he's like a little goblin almost. Yeah, and they're, they're he's little, a goblin fairy. They're kind, kind of like of. messengers. Yeah, they're being sent out to all of the different. They're like, the crows of this kingdom. Yeah, what do they call them? The little tithedoms, and they have to go out and take and let them all know, like, hey, the Baron's dead. You have to go come to the spire and show your allegiance and give us money to like reaffirm your allegiance right. to the spire. Uh, I love that. Yeah, I think it's so cool. And I like they could have done this so easily. They could have like had a dude walk up some stairs, like find a bird and tie a note to it and send it off. Yeah. And it, I would have been right on. I know this is exactly how this thing happens. But they take these little goblin winged goblinoid creatures that look super cool and it just it makes me feel like I'm entering a world that I know nothing about. And that's so refreshing to like just walk into a world and be like this place is different and awesome and and through the eyes of this detective character, I'm going to learn so much. I, I enjoyed the, the shit out of this book. It was a wonderful, magical comic reading experience. Yep, and it's got it's it's got a ton of cool characterization, and I want to know more about these people, but it's like the most original world that I've read about in a really long time. It reminded me of uh, that book, Sovereign. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. In a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, not for any like story elements, but just because it had that big scope behind it. Yeah, I love Sovereign, but it was, uh, it, was it required a lot of work. It was very dense. Yeah. Um, where this is, I think, dense, but still navigable. Yeah. yeah. Especially because it starts at the level of like, here's a cop. She's yep. on the beat kind of thing. Yeah. Totally more. But yeah, we were able to get some societal bits. We were able to get some you know, crime scene stuff. We were able to get some sort of... Uh, Yep. You know the layers of society and politics and government, without being without being like weighty. You know it. Absolutely. I think it flowed well. Who wrote this book? So this is Simon Spurrier, Spurrier or Spurrier. Who do you guys remember this book, Six Gun Gorilla? Yes, the Jam. Yeah, that was a good book. Former Vault of Midnight employee Ian Roulette led me to Six Gun Gorilla because he loved it so yeah, very much. It was like they made a comic for him. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this dude also worked on X-Force uh, and a, a number of other things. So the art, which I also thoroughly enjoyed. Man, those those light tentacles colors. are really interesting, and I want to know so much more about them. And it, it, I want to know about them because they're just kind of there, and they're addressed kind of, but the artist does this thing where it just like it seems like it's part of her everyday life. And I really, really, really dug it. Yeah. I thought it was super cool. Yeah, so, and they, they talk about it in a way like maybe the, there's mutants or, or a class of people that have different abilities. Right. They're not necessarily all the same. Yeah, there's this whole other kind of underclass of people that yep. everybody knows about. This one baron was really into like trying to get them all to live together, but he, he's dead. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen now. The art's by this dude, uh, Jeff Stokely, who worked on, who probably did at least one of the issues of um, the Jim Henson's uh, witches that book. he totally that? did. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that makes so much sense now. He also worked on Six Gun Gorilla, Translucid. Yep. Yeah, he did, oh, the reason for dragons. That was a really cool book. Yep, I completely forgot about that book. So yeah, um, that's the Spire from Boom Studios. Boom Studios is in a hurry to uh, become my favorite god <laughs> publisher, man. Yeah, they're doing it, and they just announced in the newest previews that they are continuing my favorite book of 2014, Wild's End, gets a new series. Woo! And that's Boom Studios. Yeah. Boom Studios killing it. Boom Studios is killing it. Yeah. And it's like just a perfect little vision of the, how cool this era of comics is right now. Totally agree. That Boom Studios is just like stepping up their game in such an awesome way. And they're doing it in two ways. I would say Boom Studios is the number one all-ages comic producer. I stand by that with their Kaboom imprint. You could, you could say yeah. that. And now Boom Studios proper who used to be kind of meh when I started reading comics, is now putting out some of the best <laughs> every month. It's awesome. I, like, I'm rooting for them. I'm really rooting for Boom Studios. So uh, can I say a little uh, retailer corner really quick? Oh, let's, let's step into the retailer corner. Yeah, so uh, you know, doing the ordering uh, for Boom is tough. Yeah. 
So Image uh, will show you a lot of big names. You get a lot of big names that are coming from other publishers, mm-hmm. and they're coming to Image to do their thing, their own IP, their own project. Yeah. Whereas Boom, I've got to do a lot of research every month. I'm not. The, f- the names don't jump out at. They you. don't jump out at me. I'm not familiar with a lot of the creators, so it. Uh, I want to know more because they're really kicking butt right now. But yeah, it's a. I spend a good deal of time on the internet every month, uh, thanks to the Boom section. So thanks to books like Saga and Chew. And, you know, the the big names from Image that, like, for a while there, an Image number one was going to do well. Sure. No matter what, right? Not the case so much anymore. Not, not the case so much anymore. So this was like once upon a time, those dudes can do no wrong. I think that's cooled a little bit, but people are still really excited for an Image number one. Yeah. No other publisher, you know, the big two have that a little bit, but any of these, you know, Boom, Oni, Dark Horse, a number one does not get the traction Right? Yeah. Not at all. Absolutely I mean, not. When, when yeah. I was in the campaign to sell every single person who walked in the door Wild Zen number one, a lot of people were like, eh, boom, studios. And I'm trying, I'm like looking and be like, no, I read comics for my job. Yeah. And I'm telling you that this comic is a thousand percent kick ass. And eh, boom, studio. And you know, but I think we're br- they're chipping away at that. And it's, it's, Books like this, and it's books like Wild's End, and it's getting young readers through their Kaboom imprint. I'm just super impressed with those So if guys. we can do like a public service announcement, like Image is great. We love Image. Obviously, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. But really what it is is like, you know, creator-owned and controlled books that we love, right? Well, that, that's and they're, they're not the only dudes doing it. Sure. No. And that's the flip side of my, you know, uh, boom talk there is that... It's forcing me to look at these other creators that yep. I'm not familiar with. Yep. And I think it's awesome that Boom is taking a chance on books they think are legitimately good. Yeah. And it's not necessarily on the back of, of a creator's name that's well known. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, from a publisher standpoint, that's got to be risky. Um, but I think it's awesome. Yeah. And these you are know, all they're cool books. new stories and new characters. They're not you know, repurposing or relaunching a superhero. No. This shit is super risky and it's why, so- it's why Image is cool. It applies to lots of other books. Yeah. Yep. So don't you? I, I think that the same amount of attention to Image Number One should be given to Oni Number Ones and Boom Number Ones, at least for a flip through or talk to your comic shop dude about it. Yep. Totally. True. I think. And now I'm stepping off my soapbox. It was, a nice, it was a nice soapbox. Nick's big pick, The Spire Number One. The Spire Number One from Man, Boom Studios. I might read that again as soon as we're done. Hey, guess what? There's more comics. So many this week. Every single week, there's more stuff that comes out. Let's take a a, a quick little jaunt, a stroll, if a, you will. Yeah, a little. Uh, let's let's. Uh, what, a saunter. I, uh, a saunter. <laughs> That's the word I was reaching for in my mind. All what right. El- what else came out this week? This is the pull box. I'm so ready. I'm so ready, guys. Here we go. So I want to start out and say that I can't remember a a comic that I am more excited for. I have to read so many comics. Yep. We all do. Yep. We all have to read a ton of comics. Mm-hmm. And some, most of the time I have my stack of comics and I'm just like, oh, sweet, look, there's a new issue of whatever in there. I really like this book and I'm looking forward to it. And it just kind of shows up and I enjoy it. I am frothing at the bit for Secret Wars. Dude, I, I left it till after I read a bunch of other books, but it was the book I wanted to read first. Yeah. More than anything. And I like to think of myself as like an artsy, like know-it-all comic dude. Yeah, that's how everybody else thinks of you. Yeah, too. cool. Thanks, because that's what I want. But uh, you know, I have—is it almost like a Secret Wars shame that it's the book that I'm most jazzed about every time it comes out? Coming at all. This is a huge Marvel crossover book. This is supposed to be like money grab dog. Yeah, it, I cannot wait for this comic to come out every month. I'm the like, best I'm like, writing. I keep it's the checking best art. the release date. When is Secret Wars number yeah. four coming out? Yeah, just to let everyone know who hasn't touched Secret Wars yet. Um, it is going to be, it is going to go down in history as Jonathan Hickman's grand opus. Well, we don't know that yet. It's going to happen. You're, you're, you're just making big, broad predictions right now. I am. This, that book's going to be East of West. You're wrong, but this is super good. When's the last time you read a comic book this good? I, I'm, I, I don't care, like... Jonathan Hickman's done a ton of stuff. I'm just saying this; it's so much fun, and I and what I think part of it is that I just didn't anticipate mm. that I, that this was going to be one of the books that I was most excited about. Well, praise Doom God, it exists. Praise Doom God's name. Yeah, hmm. I hmm. swear it. I swear. I, yeah. Have you read Jonathan Hickman's uh, Marcus? Have you read his Fantastic Four run? I have. Have you? And you've, you're reading East of West. I am. And you think this is. Stronger, uh, yes, than both of them. Absolutely, three issues in yep. now, four issues, four in. issues in now. Okay, I, I, I think 
this is a this is an important book that we're reading right now. Okay. It's it's reaffirming this book is going to reaffirm people's faith in the summer blockbuster, and rightfully so. It's doing a great job. Well, and you know the thing about this book is it could go so much further. So Hickman's been building up to this in Avengers books. He's been doing great work. He did yep. all that great Fantastic Four stuff. I think as an architect, kind of overall of the kind of tone and style of the Marvel U right now, I think this book is is a big deal in in so many other ways than just being a good comic for Marvel. Yeah. And uh, kind of setting the tone for everybody else. That said, East of West is the best Jonathan Hickman book ever. It might be. It's so for my money. good. But yeah. I, I, I don't want to live in a world without any of this. I want yeah, Secret no, Wars. I want, I want East of West. Right. I want yeah, Fantastic Four. Exactly. Cool. Yep. I don't want to pick. Why do we have to pick, Marcus? I don't know. Why I do just, we have to I like pick to what ca- the I like My brain likes to categorize things. I don't yes, know, it I don't does. Know what to tell you. Your brain does like to I do like that. To put things into, I like to put things into organized boxes. Into the most and the least. It's weird that I do our, our back issue section where I literally get paid to organize things into, into boxes. Either way, it doesn't matter. Hey, guys, Grant Morrison came out with this book. It's called 18 Days. It's by Graphic India. It's part of this multi-comic release that has to do with um, f- religious lore and folklore out of India. Stan Lee's writing a book um, that is in this imprint, Graphic India. I think it's really cool. I think India is a huge market for comic books, and uh, I dug it. I thought it was cool. Am I crazy, or what, did this book exist in a d- previous form? They did a hardcover, which is in stock at the Vault of Midnight now. And this now. is a serialization of that hardcover? No, or is this it new, is new. Is new material? New material. Okay, cool. Yep. Thank you for clearing that up. No Graphic problem. India, I think, is uh, something we're going to want to watch yeah. as an industry. So, yeah, it was really cool. Um, I know nothing about Indian culture and folklore, so this is just a fresh, wonderful, fun, epic story for me, and I, I loved every second of it. Agreed. The, the, um, the essay at the end about like what Grant Morrison gets out of that that folklore and is really, really cool. Yeah, oh, really listening enjoyable. to Grant Morrison talk about the research he did for this project and then talk about how it's maybe the greatest story in human history. Yeah, like you buy it after reading Yeah, that. like Grant, I, I want to know more. Yeah. He's a smart dude. But you, Curtis, are on the train to sign up for the Grant Morrison cult. Like I As am. soon as it opens, you the, have a spot reserved. The second he opens sure. the Kool-Aid stand, yeah. I'm <laughs> there. You were like, yes. Take all my money, whatever you want. Yes, shave my head. Yes. Use the pink slip to my car. Here, have my wife. I, I've never considered joining a cult ever in my life. Yeah. That's the opposite of Curtis. That's true. From what I know, from yeah. what I know about you, that's true. Uh, Grant Morrison, uh, take me away <laughs> from it all. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to jump in here with Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number seven. I'm going to keep hitting this book every time there's an issue because it's don't cheat yourself, treat yourself. Read Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. This is Ryan North and Erica Henderson who did a variant cover for Secret Wars number four this week. Yeah. That's uh, Captain Marvel stained glass window thing. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> Best cover of the week. God. No, I haven't oh. seen it. We didn't bring it in the stack. No, did we? hell no, we did. That baby's expensive and it's beautiful oh, it and it's worth every cent. Do I get a tattoo of it? I don't know. It blew me away. Full I back piece. It. Excellent. Full back piece. Jesus Christ, it was f***ing awesome. You'll have room when you get that uh, Stannis Baratheon tat lasered off, don't you? It's a house Baratheon tat's more than just Stannis. Arclight, number one, is my pick. Uh, not It's not my pick, but it's also in the poll box, and I really, really liked it. It's written by Brandon Graham. I almost picked this as my big pick. I struggled. It was it was this spire or we stand on guard. That's how good this was. It was really was. good. So this is Marion Churchland is doing the art. Brandon Graham's doing the writing. It's kind of... I read this right after I read Spire, and they both have like these kind of big fantasy worlds behind them but approached in like two really different ways yep um brandon graham's all about like the big idea and the big artifact and like the the mystery of it all right sure Um, the wonder the yeah the not knowing uh, or knowing just a little and it's so cool to see brandon graham do big sci-fi stuff which lends itself to like you know you're at a new planet you found a new thing there's Mm -hmm. and then to see him do kind of like fantasy almost yeah would you call this is a fantasy oh right yeah it's totally fantasy. yeah that's arc light um, what's Eight House? I have no idea. I think he's doing like a. I'm gonna have. To, we're gonna have to take a look. I at think this is gonna. Have, it's gonna feature different artists. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And this is one of them. ArcLight is part of the Eight House thing. I think Brandon Graham it, is one of the most distinct, unique voices in comics. And uh, check him out. Prophet was great. King City uh, was uh, incredibly good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. I'm diving into uh, Red Skull number one, Battle World. So. 
this book is really interesting. Doom God, praise be his name, um, we find out has a nemesis, and it's Red Skull. Red Skull led this rebellion against Doom God and kind of found all these good guys and bad guys to fight for him to try to dethrone the Doom God, praise be his name. Um, and so now we're trying to hunt down. Maybe Red Skull's not dead. They they banished him to the wasteland. Cool. But uh, really cool little book here in Red Skull number one. The art was very meh, but the story was pretty awesome. Cool. Nick, did you have something to add to the eight house? Just that Brandon Graham is doing. Um, this is actually really really cool, and I didn't realize that, totally that this was going on. Um, but he's teaming up with four different folks, four different creators. To and each one's gonna like represent a world in this big like sci-fi fantasy universe. Wow! And it's all under the imprint of Eight House, hmm. and ArcLight is the first one to to come out for all of this stuff. So that's no, that's not true. Eight House Kiem was the first one that came out, and then ArcLight is the second. So they're four different miniseries. Do I see Emma Rios listed Emma as an Rios artist? Is doing oh wow! One of them for a book called uh, Mirror, Marion Churchland. Um, Zerzo uh, Penalta did the Eight House Kiem book. Uh, Brandon Graham is exactly the dude that I want doing some crazy <laughs> like this. We need him. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. Uh, Age of Reptiles number two. We talked about number one. What if uh, you wanted a silent comic about a dinosaur? But 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 I do want that. Here it is. Oh, really oh. good book. It's actually drawn. It's actually expertly colored. Uh, this issue broke me up, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really good. Uh, A Force number two. Uh, it's it's A Force at G Will Wilson. This book's great. Makes me love She Hulk more than I already love She Hulk, and that's hard to do. Excellent. Can you rattle off a few more for us, Curtis? Yeah, let's go with the humans. Number six. This is your favorite Simeon biker gang in a world gone mad. Uh, a little uh, post Vietnam, drugs, sex. Definitely some rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Secret Wars number four. Uh, Airboy number two. Uh, this is my favorite comic featuring the best in full frontal male nudity. Don't cheat yourself. Uh, Greg Hinkle, the artist on this book, is one of my new favorites. His coloring is outrageously is this good. Bo- is that book? Is that issue as drug fueled as the last one? Uh, slightly less. They're okay. recovering from a night of debauchery. They're hungover. So it opens up with some drinks and some drugs, and then yep. some some man dong as they're fleeing down the street. Yeah, great opening. Excellent. Um, Arcadia number t- uh, number three. Excuse me. This book just keeps getting weirder. Arcadia. Read Arcadia. Everybody should read yeah. Arcadia. Yeah, that book got nuts. Issue three was crazy pants. Who publishes Arcadia? That is uh, Archaia, This right? is what I'm talking about. That's no, that's Boom. boom. Yep. That's Boom. Yeah. So there it is. Um, oh, so we got so a new good. Groot. We got a uh, bunch of Secret Wars stuff. That Groot, that Groot was filled with a lot of heart. We got two Star Wars books this week, you guys. Excellent. New Darth Vader, new Princess Leia. This is the last Princess Leia, you guys. Five of five. Yep. Lando comes up in two weeks. Very, very good. So cool. uh, there's the pull box. So it's another fun-filled week. I don't want to say that. I want that edited out of the podcast. I so, don't want to say fun-filled week. So that was another fun-filled week, guys. Man, oh, man, I loved it. <laughs> um, yeah, Groot number two, guys, so much heart yeah. in that book. That comic's Beautiful funny moment. and cute. It's really cute. Excellent. But well, uh, let's as we move on, I want to point out that um, so ICV2 had some pretty interesting stuff for us this week. They did. Courtesy of ICV2 and Comic Cron is the name of it. This is a website that also does like sales numbers for comic books. That sounds like an evil transformer. I'm okay, it has to be Chromacron, doesn't it? Our new studio has transformers in it. Just, yeah, just chilling. I messed one up pretty bad trying to make it into a truck. Don't say that on we recorded. Dog, they're not going to let us record here. Again. It turns well, no, out I didn't, I didn't it turns break out it. Marcus can't transform a transformer. Right. I, I, yeah. guess I didn't break it. I just don't have the mental capability to turn it back into a truck. It's fine. It's a children's toy. I'm right. sure he'll figure it out eventually. Yep. So uh, Comic Cron and uh, ICV2 report that total comics and graphic novel sales to consumers in the U.S. and Canada reached 935 million in 2014. Can we call it a bill? So we're it's very very close to a bill. We cannot call it that. That's a classic Curtis Sullivan roundup. Roundup. Let's call a it a bill. Sweet baby Sullivan exaggeration. You know, people ask how long have you been in business? Twenty years <laughs> or nineteen? Exactly. Ask Steve Fidali about the classic. Cecil Roundup maneuver. It's not a thing. Moving on. It's totally a thing. Anyway, that's a 7% increase in sales over 2013. It is the highest since 1995, the highest in uh, near 20 years. It's great. So these are numbers for 2014, so it would have been wow. the highest in like 19 years. It's, I, I, it's so you're saying a, this is like a full-blown resurgence of print media. Absolutely. Comic books kicking 
Heine. So this is all like in print stuff. This is like books that you can buy and hold in your hands. Yeah. Digital is still, yeah, it, it, you know, is surging, although yep. the surge is down a little bit from its kind of initial burst. Right. Sure. So uh, another banner year for comics. Another banner year for comics, and we will link to the ICV2 article uh, in the show notes. It was really interesting. You know, and we can say definitely we've noticed that in the shop. Yep. And we've been around for 20 years. We've never had a down year. And the last 10 years mm-hmm. have been significantly up every single year on year on year to the point where it's, uh, it's difficult to predict. You we open for 20 years again? Just I did. Second, even yeah, how long you guys been open? 20 years. years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's how long. Cool. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, 1996 to 2015. Do the math. 20 years. <laughs> Okay, I don't really know simple arithmetic. All right, but it's been <laughs> but it's been up. The numbers look good. <laughs> the numbers are looking great, and it all, all indicators point to um, you know, this keeping keeping moving. Yeah, that's keeping absolutely on. right. Because the, and really, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. So like, there's no reason. So comic books obviously are are a billion dollar industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is the very very beginning. Can Can you imagine a world where uh, instead of one out of twenty people read comic books, like say even Nine out of twenty. That's where we're at. That's, that's how small, you know, as big as comics are. That's how small they are. Yep. Um, and we haven't done our job until uh, it's nine out of ten. So you're absolutely sure. right. Yeah. So um, the last thing we should mention that came out this week, we have um, the brilliantly titled "All New, All Different" free previews. What's going on with this thing? So this is a little intro to Marvel's new publishing. Yeah. Thing. What are they calling it? They're calling it the all new, all different Marvel. I hate that. I despise it. It's all right. Nevertheless, of course, Marcus thinks it's all right. I mean, it is. It's contrarian. No, it's okay. No, it's he is. not good. It's not bad. It's, it's, it's dog. Right? No, yeah. all new, all different. It's no different than New Fifty Two. Like, it's a lot different. It is different, but yeah. also we did like all new Marvel not that long we ago, did, and then we did Marvel Now, and then we did yep. all new Marvel Now. So all new, all different Marvel is actually terrible. Yep. But that said, that said, it looks actually pretty cool. This this is worth cool. scooping up. There's a lot of cool little previews about what's coming up. The uh, Spider Woman one didn't see that coming, and uh, looking forward to it. There's a ton of like top tier talent in here for doing sure. Some really cool books. And Doctor it's all Strange starting at Doctor Strange by Jason Aaron. It's getting an ongoing series. That's Doctor really Strange. cool. First time in how many years? Been a long time. A lot of years. Yeah, I don't know how many years. It's I mean, a few. Maybe nineteen, twenty. <laughs> that's, no, that's not true, but it's been a while. Well, everybody knows that 19 is the same as 20. So that's right. We might as well just say it's 20. I'm, uh, I'm excited that it looks like Marvel is aging a lot of their older superheroes to actually be old. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Weird. Uh, Captain America Steve Rogers is going to stay old. It looks like Wolverine Logan is going to stay as old man Logan. Yeah, so it looks like some of these older characters are going to stay old and move into the mentorship role. And I know we're seeing that with Peter Parker as well. I think that's really cool of them. Are we so get some uh, new characters then, yeah, for them to mentor. Sure, looks. I like hope it. so. Cool. There's a lady Wolverine in here. <gasps> I think it's X23. Um, that would be cool. I love that character. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's X23. But yeah, that's what I'm starting to see in this previews is that a lot of our characters that were created in the 50s are actually going to age, um, and then we're going to get some new blood for them to mentor. That that's super. Why intri- not? Should we wor- be worried about Cap? He's getting on. Mm. If what is they, he, 90? He's oh, been old for Jesus a minute Christ. now. If they kill Steve Rogers and Again? leave him... No, but if they leave that dude dead... I wouldn't worry about it too much. Buddy. So, uh, yeah, stop in the comic shop. Pick up an all-new, all-different free Marvel previews. This is a big, old, thick freebie. We got tons of them at the shop. It'll fill you in on all the new Marvel stuff, of which there's a ton. Yeah. The, uh, the stupid name aside, it actually does look pretty cool. I can't yep. wait. It looks, like a, it looks like a pretty neat yep. little, little relaunch. Soft relaunch? Or what have you. Let's move on to the, the citizen, citizen question. question. Citizen question. I'm hoping that uh, Raybot's going to put like some reverb or something cool on my voice, make it sound real cool I'm sure there. she will. She's yeah, a very she's, talented she's woman. probably on top of it. Uh, so our question this week comes from Kevin. Kevin asks, My girlfriend and I are huge fans of the Grand Rapids Vault of Midnight and recently took a trip to visit the Ann Arbor location. The atmosphere in the Ann Arbor shop seemed familiar, but a little bit different from Grand Rapids. We're curious, from a retailer perspective, what are the biggest similarities and differences between your Ann Arbor and Grand Rapids locations? Ooh, so, great question. We can actually talk about this uh, all day long because our heads are like really firmly up our own butts, and we love talking about our yeah, comic shop. We live on our own little island and yes. believe our own BS. But so, for yeah. those who don't care about our shops or don't live nearby, mm-hmm. we th- you know we might be able to back this up a little bit and talk about you know in 2015. How do you open a comic shop? Yeah. How is it different from how you open a comic shop in 1996? Right. Um, why? What makes a cool comic shop? How do you make a vibe for a place? 
So let's break that down a little yeah. bit. First of all, what Curtis? Yes. How did the Ann Arbor comic shop come to develop, and how was it different than um, how the Grand Rapids shop came to develop? So when we opened in '96, we really didn't have a business plan. Right. You know, we had like a, some notes on paper, but with no real data. Yeah. We also had very, very little capital. Mm-hmm. So we opened with my collection. And we also opened in a very interesting time in comics, kind of the death of comics. That's right. Right after. Yeah, it was a, it was a dark time. Uh, Marvel was self-distributing at the time, so we could carry no Marvel comics. So we, we opened a shop in 1996 with no Marvel comics, very little money, and very little business acumen. So fast forward to 20... Th- uh, when did we open Grand Rapids? 2013? 2013. Yeah. So fast forward to 2013, we've got a lot of data. Got a lot of experience. Got a little more capital. Uh, the Ann Arbor shop is an amalgam of of a lot of shops that went out of business. We bought books, shelves from Borders. We bought shelves from Main Street News. We found a ton of stuff. Got found a bunch of garbage and turned it into yeah shelving. I built the shelving myself, and I'm no builder. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's the, all these kind of things. Grand Rapids is this wholly different beast. We were able to go in with a plan. We really uh, did some detail uh, analyses of where stuff would go, how it would fit, how it would look. And, and we also built it in a way where how do we do our orders in a store like this? How, do we, how does it function not just for sales but for you know, all the things we need to do, ordering comics and shelving comics and storing things? So, so whereas in the, in the Ann Arbor shop, you have, you know, you're 10 years into the business, you are moving into a new location... Yeah. And it's the accumulation of three previous locations, right? Right. All of the stuff and all of the, you know, fixtures and shelvings that you build and all, also all just the stuff that the store has accumulated over the years in terms of product, yeah. right? And then that goes into this new shop and we're still kind of like, you know, you're seat of your pants at that point. Super seat of your pants. And, you know, so we when we moved from Liberty to Main Street, it's important to note we went from 1,300 square feet to 4,200 square feet. Right. So that's a, uh, the money in inventory alone was just staggering. Yeah. So all of this stuff kind of informs the vibe of the place because it's kind of, it, you know, the Ann Arbor shop is kind of patchwork. We need this. We got to add this. We have no money. We got to add this. Now yep. we need this. It's more important to have stuff than shelves, but we need shelves for the stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, what you, you make all these trade-offs. Um, and I think we did it to pretty good effect in Ann Arbor. Um, you know, it's all worked out. But Grand Rapids was this glorious thing where we were able to like meticulously craft every piece of the pie. And think about like what yeah. kind of shop do we want to work in? We what? built like prototype shelves. Yeah. You know, we could test them out and put comics on them and we don't like this. Let's change that. Yeah. You know, we had this design process that went on for a few months, which was great. You know, in, in Ann Arbor, uh, we inherited a bunch of shelves from the bookstore that was in our location. Mm-hmm. Afterwards. Uh, afterwards, great Ann Arbor legendary bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um I took apart all, took apart all their old shelving, rebuilt it, and painted it, and uh, that's I mean that's because that's what we got. Yeah, you know, in a store that big, we didn't have a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars to build custom shelving. I wish yeah. we did. So, and that's just kind of the nuts and bolts stuff. That's you know that's the unexciting, unpretty business side of I think this question. Yeah. Um, the other part of the question is, uh, you know, how are they different? Oh, I think. Uh, we sell things differently in both locations. The 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 product demand is a little bit different yeah. from location to location, right? Yeah, some items do uh, better in Grand Rapids mm-hmm. than they do in Ann Arbor, and vice versa. Yep. So that's uh, a learning. So there's also curve. and there's some things there's some choices that we just made in Grand Rapids. So in Grand Rapids, all of our graphic novels are all smushed together. Yes. We don't have them. So in the Ann Arbor shop, we have kind of like the creator-owned stuff, the single creator books. That's right. on that's on our lower level. Mm-hmm. The rest of the graphic novels by multiple people, your superhero stuff, that's all on the, the top level. In Grand Rapids, we smushed it all together, and it's just all by alphabetical by title because they're all comic books was our thought. And this was like a deliberate process yeah. that we're going through. We're thinking about sure. the design of the shop. We're thinking about how we want people to shop for things, how we want to help them find things. And we want to just call them all comic books. And do the same thing with our single issues. They're not separated by publisher at all. It's a great giant wall of comics in alphabetical order. These are all like deliberate decisions that we made thinking about how the the shop should flow and how it should run. And and I love it. It really works. You know, that we made a a couple really key decisions that I think we're going to implement at the Ann Arbor store at some point and definitely in any future stores. Absolutely. And that's mixing them all together. Yep. I love the way we've done that. Um, and it, it, 
you know, so if you only like Marvel, for example, you know, we talk sometimes about the Marvel versus DC thing or indie versus mainstream or whatever. When you put them all together, people find things that they didn't know they wanted. Yes, absolutely. You know, if you know you want Marvel and you always go just to the Marvel shelf, you might not see all these other great books. But if, you know, uh, they're all mixed together alphabetically, super easy to find, and then, hey, what's this? Yep. It, it happens every day in Grand Rapids, and we love it. And so, yeah, it's a, it's, we're always learning. Hey, Marcus, you, um, you're, you're a little, you're not quite as, because we, we were kind of intimately involved, right. Curtis and I, with like, you know, the, the, the design of the building, and you, you're, you're newer to the company. I am. How do you find the two shops from a retailer perspective? Because you've worked at both of them. I have. You and I just closed the Grand Rapids shop just the other day. Yeah. So Ann Arbor has this interesting factor where it is not only the Ann Arbor comic shop, it is also Vault of Midnight headquarters HQ. So headquarters, headquarters HQ. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, nice. HQ is short for headquarters. It is. Yes, yep. yes. Um, so headquarters, headquarters. Things are. Ann Arbor has to be an awesome, amazing comic shop, um, but it also has to have staff that are making big decisions for the company. So we we all get pulled in some different directions that that doesn't happen up in Grand Rapids. Um, I will say I love what I love about Grand Rapids is the dudes and the ladies up there who. Um, they they are some of the most creative people I've I've ever met, and they will do things that blow my our, mind. Our staff, you mean? Yeah, they're super yeah. creative, and and they do wonderful online marketing, and I just am in total love with it. So yeah, the Grand Rapids staff is just incredibly creative, and they do some really cool things. I like both feels. Um, Ann Arbor is my home store, and it's the store I grew up with, so I have like a wonderful sense of nostalgia there. But I think Grand Rapids is the perfect design for that city. I think each Vault of Midnight is going to be tailored a little bit to the city it's in. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, it's great. It's well, great. And from a visual standpoint, too, the, the brick wall... And the the polished concrete floor in Grand Rapids informed like all, everything we did. Jipcrete, jipcrete. The the color of the counter, the stained shelves, the black pipe, all that's informed by the space. Yeah. So um, there's that. And Ann Arbor's just a Frankenstein. It is. It's a little bit of a Frankenstein because it's just a lot of stuff that's been cobbled together by necessity mm-hmm. and over time, and like just having to deal with like the sheer volume of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, at some point. Um, we should, we, you know, ho- we hope to uh, to give uh, Ann Arbor a little bit of a facelift. Yes, and, uh, we'll we'll see some changes there. But I think it's really cool. One of the things that I've loved is to see people from Grand Rapids coming to Ann Arbor, and then vice versa, and then like liking their home st- store more. Yeah, it's just a really cool thing to watch. Like, yeah, the Grand Rapids shop is pretty cool, but I really like the Ann yeah, Arbor shop. More. I just had this happen yesterday. Yeah, yeah, a girl came into the Ann Arbor shop. I know her pretty well, and uh, she had just. She's living in Grand Rapids for an internship right now. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, I like the Grand Rapids store. It's just like really barren. And it's not barren. It's full of stuff. Right. But she's But if you're to, used to Ann Arbor, right, which is stuffed to the gills. Yeah, it's stuffed to the gills. And it's got like this real homey quality about it. And it's got carpet. And it's just like, it, it's it's a real homey shop. Whereas people come from Grand Rapids to Ann Arbor and they're like, man, there's a lot of stuff in here. It's a little, yeah. it's a, it's a little chaotic. Right. And it's just, I just love that. It's like, oh man, I get to work at both of these shops. And it's really yeah. cool to see people like form these attachments to these, to these stores in Grand Rapids. Did not exist two years ago. Yeah, today. it's super interesting. Another comment I get is that uh, someone made a comment about Ann Arbor that we yell at each other. Like, oh, Ann Arbor staff yells at each other a lot. Yeah, we work in a giant comic book yeah, store that huge. has two levels and is packed full of people all the time. Like, That's true. Not, they don't have to yell at each other. They don't other have to yell at each Rapids, other in Grand yeah. Rapids. Whereas, it, like, if Nick's in the back of the comic shop and I need the keys, yeah. I, I, instead of walking back there, we just have this culture where it's just like, Nick, like, yeah. keys, please. You know, and it's just. I, I, it's little stuff like that that I would never think of. But Ann Arbor's a huge shop. It's humongous. Yeah. So, yeah, we yell at each other, and it's all out of love. Yeah. We don't have time to get into it, but we, yeah, we, I, we could talk all day about it. For sure. I think just I think making comic shops is just the coolest. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. I, I can't will, wait. I will burn the carpet in Ann Arbor. It, it, the carpet's got to go. Yeah, the carpet's got to go. Will, I will napalm that carpet, and I, I personally will shriek have and glee. probably a half gallon of coffee on that. Uh, carpet over the years. I'm yeah, really it's my sorry. nightmare. I'm really sorry about that, Curtis. You know, and the reason we have carpet, yeah, is because it was the cheapest way we could floor the place, right? Because it's so many thousands of square feet. It's like you could do like a good floor, and that'll cost you eighty million dollars. A carpet is a metaphor, or you can do carpet for still a lot, but yeah, you could do it. Yeah, but never carpet your retail spot. If you take one thing from this conversation, if you get a retail location, you want to sell anything in it, 
Yeah. Make sure there's not carpet. Yeah, don't get don't get don't carpet. Don't get carpet. Get anything else. Oh my oh my lord. Yeah. It's just the worst. All right. Thank you, Kevin, for your question. That was a really long answer. I yeah. think I, we we did our best. Um, man, we can we can really bullshit <laughs> about that comic shop. Uh, but I think that just about wraps us up. Yeah. This is our uh, inaugural run in this new studio uh, that we are working with in partnership with the Ann Arbor District Library. Uh, can't thank you enough, AADL. Yeah, we really sure. we really appreciate you. And hopefully, we're just going to get used to. These weird arms and headphones and things. Thus ends another issue of Super Skull, the Vault of Midnight podcast. You can hear us every Wednesday at 8 p.m. EST, wherever podcasts are found. Our music was created by our good buddy A-Bomb. Our logo was designed by our good friend Philip Wong, also known as P. Wong. Yeah, that's what I call him. I don't know if he likes that. I hope he does. I love it so much. Our producer is the lovely and talented Rachel Polk. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Super Skull Show is our handle. Check out our website at www.superskullshow.com and send us questions that we will hopefully answer with gusto. May I interject for just a moment? You may. It is so important for podcasts to get reviews on iTunes. It's incredibly important. It really helps us grow. This is how people find stuff. This is how iTunes decides what they're going to feature and what they're not going to feature. So if you've listened all the way to the end of this podcast, that means you probably care a little bit. For some reason, you, you actually want to listen to us and appreciate that we do this um, so if you can go ahead and jump on there on iTunes and, and leave us a review if you haven't already it's super easy it's really really brief and uh, we would really really appreciate it it really helps us out yeah. Prairie Home Companion uh, has 1,197 ratings not a bad show on iTunes I would I would go so far to say that it is a bad show but do they talk about comic books? They never. That? They do not talk about comic books on a regular basis on Prairie Home Companion. They talk about buttermilk biscuits, and I appreciate that. Yeah. But uh, no, they, I've listened to every episode of Prairie Home Companion in the last five years, and uh, no, they don't talk about comics very often. Uh, but Garrison Keillor does love Vault of Midnight, though. He mentioned, uh, mentioned us on his Best of Ann Arbor oh, list. Oh, man, I had a whole spiel about <laughs> Prairie Home Companion, and now you I can't, can't do it. It's American treasure. It's an uh, American true. treasure. Man, I had a whole bit, and it's ruined. Anyway, Sorry, please go ahead that. and jump on iTunes and leave us a review if you don't mind, please yeah. thank you. So, uh, Super Skull Show is brought to you by Vaults of Midnight. That's the comic shop we all work at. Earth's finest comic books and stuff since 1996. This is Curtis Sullivan for Nick Wybar and Marcus Schwimmer. Wishing you great reading until next week. And you going know, Marcus, you, with you my buttermilk biscuits, got me off going my, my game with my buttermilk. Yeah, <laughs> it's my buttermilk biscuit jam. Yeah, that is. I would rather listen to that than Prairie Home Companion. I that's that's from Prairie you. Home Companion. I would rather listen to you do that bull- <laughs> into a microphone than listen be, to Prairie Home Companion. I think I'd be a companion. great host of Prairie Home Companion. If I was born for one thing, I think it would be to be the host of Prairie Home Companion. You're fucking <laughs> right. Yeah, and that is no. Well, you're in not a cold old enough, in a cold night in a city that never sleeps. One detective search for truth. Guy Noir. Private eye. Wah, 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 wah.